the gear isn't what's going to make you great. You just got to go out and do the best with what you have, which has always been nice for me because I've never looked for the newest model. I've never cared about the highest tech. I just go out and do the stuff, right? As long as I'm safe and things are functioning for me, I'm a happy camper. Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Um, Man, if you know me at all, you know that I like a good deal. I like yard sales. I like thrift stores. And when I'm done with something, I honestly like to sell it. I like to get rid of it, even if it's, you know, just a couple bucks here or there, because the life of that thing can live on and help someone else make adventure possible, especially if that's, you know, camping gear, um, adventure gear. And also another thing is a lot of people let gear get in the way of the experience. You know, they either make the experience about this nice new shiny stuff they have. That's kind of what they're out there for. Or they let not having those things prevent them from going on the adventure. I've definitely been there. You know, I I, I see some some advertisements or a movie or something or I, I you know, get, I get influenced by materialism. And I think, you know, I, I can't go do these things until I have this two thousand dollar whatever and chap and i are here to have a conversation today to tell you that's just simply not true if it is not affecting your safety or your well-being um or really that's about it if it's not gonna make an issue with those things you can pretty much get away with you stuff with being thrifty um with finding unique creative ways to do things um to make your adventures happen because at the end of the day if you know if a $400 backpack is out of your budget, but you can afford a, a, a $70 backpack to make the adventure happen, go for it. Because when it comes time for you know being able to tell the stories of what you experienced out there, you're going to want to have stories to tell versus saying, you know, I, I, I couldn't make it happen because the budget was too high. Get out there, make it happen. Eat some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, uh, Chap is going to help get you outfitted because he runs a rerouted.co and uh, they sell, they, they, they connect folks wanting to have adventures with the used gear that they need, uh, prevent stuff from going in the landfill. Uh, you, you know, this stuff has had pretty cool stories and you get to continue that. So everything from, um, you know, apparel to shoes to, to all sorts of specialty gear, all sorts of unique one of a kind things. Imagine an online, gear thrift store i'm just right there on the on the internet always being refreshed with new stuff and uh used backpacking gear was something i was into before uh working where i do now so it's definitely something i'm i'm passionate about connecting folks with just you know the used gear that they need to make the adventures happen we are not about the new shiny stuff on this show um if you have that great and if you want that awesome but don't let it prevent you from getting out there i have done so many of my adventures with used cheap garbage (laughs) to say uh, to put it frank Um, but guess what i have now i have the experience um i've had lessons that i've learned from it and i have stories to tell and that's what's important at the end of the day so anyway without further ado here is chap grub we're going to be talking about gear and how it has to do um with our what it has to do with our adventures something we don't really talk about a lot so enjoy
as you know, to have an adventure, we got to have the stuff to do it, especially the more, you know, the more intense it gets, the more extreme it gets, the more specific the gear you need. And someone who knows all about that is Chap Grub. Chap, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on, Mason. It's a pleasure to be here. Love what you guys are doing over here. And boy, do I know about gear. I pretty much eat, sleep, and breathe gear, and especially used gear. That's what we do over here at Rerouted is we help people with used outdoor gear. Dude, that's awesome. Um, Yeah, I I always ask this first. Where in the world are you coming from today? (laughs) Yeah, we're we're out in uh, rural New Mexico, about 45 minutes outside of Taos, New Mexico. So... Northern New Mexico was not where I was from. I was from the Pacific Northwest. But what I found out when I turned 18 was that I am a desert rat through and through. And I love me this high alpine desert climate, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona. So I've been up here in Northern New Mexico for almost four years now. Oh, man. I You know, I love it myself. How how did you end up in like uh, the rural area? I was curious. I'm from a rural area, so that's kind of how I'm there, you know. And so it's like, well, how do people end up in those places, you know? Yeah, that's that's great question. So you know, growing up in Seattle, we were in the suburbs of Microsoft and Boeing, and kind of really truly the suburbs. I I ended up in more rural New Mexico, really. <laughs> For one reason, Mason, and your community, I think, will like this. We It's for the rock climbing. My house is five minutes away from hundreds and hundreds of rock climbing routes. We're 15 minutes away from the whitewater put in and 35 minutes away from skiing. So for me, the rural choice was easy because it put me so close to all the things that I really I care about and I love to do. Dude, that is so neat. I You know, I know so many people right now that are kind of testing out your lifestyle with quarantine. A lot of people said like, we're going to quarantine in this remote area. Or when we take a trip this year, it's going to be somewhere remote because it kind of has to be. And so I've I've seen just through social media and just hearing friends talk about it, they're going to essentially rent in places like yours to be out there and do these outdoor things. And I think a lot of people are going to really like it and are going to try to make it more long-term. That's, that's my theory. We'll see. No, I, I think you're spot on. And it was, it's pretty wild, Mason. So I bought my house. I moved out here four years ago. I actually built about seven acres of just land, built a tiny house. After I built the tiny house, we sold it to another couple and I bought the house that I live in now. But as, as this quarantine thing was happening and as COVID was really taking its grip on this country, I felt so lucky that we were 30 minutes outside of a small town and that we have our own well out here and we have a lot of our own resources. And it's made this growth process for our business really interesting and really still enabled me to go out and go climbing in the mornings where I know that people that relied on the gym don't have that luxury. So I feel so blessed to be able to continue doing these outdoor sports. And in New Mexico, Mason, it's what, December 7th, as we're recording this, December 8th, and I can still go climbing outside all days of sunshine. That's so crazy, man. I, I It's almost like not a whole lot of your life changed. Um, no. Other than probably your website getting more traffic. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much right. And uh, honestly, what's wild is we had been in business about a year before COVID happened. And what we realized was that the used gear industry, whether or not it's 
mom and pop used gear stores all over the country or whether or not it's Craigslist exchanges, none of which are COVID friendly, that none of which are set up to be functional or are very useful in in a post-COVID world. So our model is really accelerated because of that. And what we've really found ourselves being able to do is facilitate this used gear exchange um, regardless of of the COVID situation, which is really exciting and cool. I've heard you talk about, you know, when we did that call about where you're living in, and I'm like, man, you know, it's, it's sounds awesome. I'm sure at times, <laughs> I'm sure there's things about it that aren't great. You know, we all envy other people's lives, but it's like, sure, that sounds pretty cool. I would say the the hardest thing about it is that you really, you have to get good at planning to go grocery shopping because you're 45 minutes away from the grocery store. So if you forget something, you just don't have that anymore. You don't, <laughs> you, you don't get, you don't get to, you don't get to use that item if you want it. So it, it a lot, it, it's been fun. We really, we really love it out here though. And it's been fun because my warehouse is out here. That's where we have a bunch of the gear stored. My team's all over the country and, and we've got a really cool remote business growing uh, despite, despite the hangups that a lot of other, a lot of other businesses are feeling, which is uh, really exciting and really motivating. But, you know, the, the whole passion and, and Mason, I think you've heard this before. The reason I started rerouted, you know, the used gear is great. Exchange and used gear is awesome. I, I love the sustainability part about it. I love the, you know, using less resources, but fundamentally at its core, I started rerouted because I wanted to help facilitate access and education to the outdoors. And I felt like gear was a fundamental barrier to entry to any outdoor experience. And that was something that I think you and I really wanted to talk about through through this podcast was lots of people have these amazing stories of these amazing outdoor adventures, but where it all starts is a piece of gear. That first early stage, that first backpack, that first sleeping bag that allows you to go out for your first solo overnight trip, that allows you to go out with your first group of friends in high school, because that's where everybody begins. You don't just start out going to climb Everest, you know? Oh man. Yeah. You know that I've, I've honestly never thought about it like that, but you're totally right. Every, every thing I've ever done outdoors, you, you don't just go out there with nothing. At the very least, you have a backpack to carry water in. And even that, right. that little step gives you, you know, it, it, if you had like a, a map around how far you could go with some snacks and water, it just increased. You throw in a sleeping bag and a stove or um, you know, some sunscreen that your, your map gets bigger. You know what I mean? It's like right. the more you add strategically, the more you can do. And then you start throwing yep. specific stuff. Dude, I've never thought about it that way, but you're <laughs> totally right. It starts with gear. Yep. A- every adventure starts with gear. And th- there's two other points, right? That I want to make is if you're going out on your first trip, are you really going to go spend $400 on a zero degree sleeping bag brand new from the retail shop? No, you're going to borrow one from your buddy who has one sitting around, right? You're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to find, you know, your uncle that's got a bunch in his garage. You're going to pay him 20 bucks and he's going to give it to you, right? That's, that's really what you're looking for. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make those 
connections for people instead of you having to seek it out and wait until those connections happen organically. I want to make it so that any any piece of equipment you want to buy used, you can buy used, go ahead, buy, and it's on your doorstep in three days. And, and we're getting close to reaching that goal with the amount of inventory we have. And we're obviously still in a startup growth stage. But the the other point I wanted to make is people seem to forget that once you buy used gear or once you buy, sorry, excuse me, once you buy gear from the store, it immediately becomes used gear. So everybody's always using only used gear. There's no reason to go buy new stuff all the time. Pretty much you can, I mean, I told Mason before production, the gear that I bought 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when I wanted to start getting outside, I bought a lot of it used. I bought a couple pieces of it new. I got some for Christmas back in high school, but I use pretty much all of it still. It hasn't gone bad because I take care of it. Finding those things that you love and taking good care of it, these things last forever and allow endless amounts of adventures. So it's just so exciting to see we've done... 300 sales now. So we've got 300 people out there using used gear, giving it a second life. And that's just one of the best things that I could possibly imagine. I do. I'm doing this interview in my closet just so everyone knows. I got a little setup that I can kind of pop up if my son's out in the living room. And and I'm, I'm sitting between two of my down jackets and both of them were bought at like 75% off. One right. of them 12 years ago and the other one three years ago. And the, the the oldest one is so disgustingly dirty, but it's like that. It's a campfire jacket that I only wear when I'm getting totally smoked out and yep. filthy, and it's just it's thrashed. But it works right. great, great brand, and it, there's a million memories tied into it. I think I'll probably yep. wear it till it falls apart. Um, yeah, I don't care what it looks like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. In the same way, you know, all your listeners here hear the stories of people going on these adventures. I don't want people to forget that this gear also has those stories. One of the original missions when when we started rerouted was to seek those stories out and to get those stories told. I mean, I know I've got some gear. My uncle gave me some really old climbing gear, Mason. And this, this gear went and helped him t- take a team in Summit Denali. 30 years ago, wow. right? I would never I would never climb on it, but the story that it tells is so cool, right? That's a mantelpiece object and I'd love to be able to get these stories much more do these stories much more justice because the old gear is so cool and so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know about you, but when I see someone doing an adventure with old gear, um I I, I know it thrills me because they're they're making it happen with so much less than what we're told it needs to happen with. Um, I had a friend that did the AT and he did it on like a backpack he got from Goodwill and it was like right. ten dollars. Literally, this you know nineteen ninety five. It's a backpacking backpack, yeah, but you know there's a lot of things that were outdated, but it wasn't useless. You know what I mean? It was it was state-of-the-art 20 years ago when people were doing the AT with this stuff. And so there's no reason the human body can't carry it again. You know what I'm saying? Nothing's changed. Um, Yeah. I'm calling you from an iPhone 6. You know, that thing came out in like 2012, and it's still going for me. So Sure. This was state-of-the-art just a few years ago, so it works for me fine now, you know? It's 
It's so funny that you mentioned that, Mason, because one of the anecdotes. So I'm a big rock climber, everybody. Mm-hmm. That's that's my kind of passion. That's my outdoor activity of choice. And there's a really famous I, I won't go into the nitty gritty about the climbing details. There's this very famous hard climbing crack outside of Colorado and outside of where I went to school in Colorado. And this crack was climbed originally by a guy in hiking boots back in the early eighties. I always thought about this as it was, as it was just so challenging for me, even with all of my new gear, all of this fancy equipment that this guy would have never had. He free soloed it in hiking boots 20 years ago. Right. So you can say all you want and the gear definitely helps and makes you safer. It makes all these things improved in the experience, but the skills have always been there and you can do these things, these incredible feats with the most basic pieces of gear. If you're willing to just go for it. And, and there's a balance though, between safety and preparation. And I think that loops back into my focus of education. To, to me, what's so beautiful about that balance, and I know we're just kind of exchanging stories here, but for what this show is all about is making adventure possible. There's so many things in my right. life right now that are keeping me from adventure, if I want to think of it that way, from from bill, like I got a bunch of bills and things are popping up and our house needs some repairs and it's like, oh my yeah. gosh. But yeah. my adventures 10 years ago cost almost nothing. And it was because it's all borrowed or used gear I was eating peanut butter and jellies and I was having the time of my life. And there's no reason I can't do that now. I've got all the same gear and I can still eat a peanut butter and jelly. So I, all I need is 20 bucks for a weekend and I'm good. I can manage 20 bucks. You know what I'm saying? So I can still have those same trips. Um, it's just at that level. It's gotta be at that level. It can't be all bougie. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there's, there's totally a difference in that luxury, that luxury adventure experience versus the dirtbag adventure experience. So for, for the sake of, I know we've kind of diverted from your, your average podcast a little bit and kind of diverted from the adventure stories. Why don't I do this for you guys? So I'm a long-term climbing dirtbag, lived for almost two years in a Volkswagen van, one of the classic Westfalias, 1981 Volkswagen van again, air-cooled engine, had a big old peace sign above the driver's seat. It was every bit the the van that the dirtbag climbers live in. We I drove around the country, but w- what inspired that trip, Mason, was actually three years earlier, I came home from college for a summer, was raft guiding, had some money saved up, finished my raft guiding season. And I had about three weeks before I went back to school. And I looked at my parents and I said, Hey mom and dad, I'm going to drive up to Canada. Cause this was when I was in Washington and I was up in Seattle. I was like, I'm going to go up to Canada and go climbing for three weeks. And they were like, where are you going to go? I said, I'm not sure. They were like, who are you going to climb with? I was like, I have no idea. And they were like, do you know where you're going to stay? I said, nope. And they said, are you sure this is a good idea? And I was like, I'm going to be fine. And that was my first foray into dirtbagging. And I went and lived up in Vancouver and outside of Squamish for almost a month up there. But I ate peanut butter and jellies exclusively for a month. 
And it was some of the best times I've ever had out there climbing, meeting new people, making new friends, long-term connections, climbing in a place I'd never been before and just eating peanut butter and jelly, hanging out on in my truck because that was before the van. It was just so special that incentivized me to want to live that van life post-college. Wow. Chap, you know, you mentioned um, I, I definitely want to talk about kind of what led you into this world. And it sounds like that was like that first big eye-opening experience of I yeah. can go without a plan and make something happen. And yeah. you just need some basic things in place. It doesn't have to be all that crazy expensive and you don't have to have it all planned out. How did that lead to your van trip? And, uh, you know, t- just tell us about that experience, what you were doing, where you, where you went and yeah. kind of how it changed you. Yeah. Well, I would say that's a great question. The, the fundamental learnings from the Squamish trip were that I loved what you said about realizing that I didn't need a plan. I also realized that I didn't need to coordinate with other people. That's one of the hardest things about climbing and really any adventure sport is that there's so much risk that doing it by yourself or, I mean, in climbing's sake, you're either with people or you're free soloing. And I don't like to free solo, but coordinating with people was always a challenge. And especially if you're going to go live around the country, unless you had a significant other or a partner that was with you in your van that you went place to place with, you always had to meet new people. So that was such a growth point for me. I'm 19 years old. I'm in a climber's campground and I don't know anybody, but I still got to go find a climbing partner for the day and going to make those risk assessments and going to meet people and feel confident enough um, with both my ability and their ability to put my life on the line. And I think that those moments really helped me grow as a relationship builder outside of the climbing world. But I think you asked what brought me to this core vision of rerouted, this core wanting to make access and education easier to the outdoors. It's because climbing specifically has given me so much. I want to make sure everybody has the opportunity to do it. I know that there was so much privilege that allowed me to get into these sports at the ages that I did because I had resources and time available to me. What I want to make sure is that everybody has the same ability to go do these things that have meant so much to me. Uh, Mason, we met because you make a non-alcoholic beer with Athletic Brewing Company. And climbing was what helped me stay sober for the first five years of my sobriety. And it made a huge difference in that outlet. So for me, the whole goal is just to make it easier and better for people to get outside, safer all across the board, and whatever we can do to help facilitate that we want to do. That is so cool. You you know you mentioned uh, keeping you sober, climbing kept you sober. We had uh, Brendan Leonard on the show cool. a few years ago, and maybe a year ago now of semi rad, and, and he, same thing for him. Climbing is what he's been sober for years now. And uh, it's climbing that he credits as that thing that to keep him focused at that all encompassing, yeah. all consuming act of climbing where you just have to focus on it. And, and it, it's really helped. That's that's very cool to hear. Um, yeah. So, so, 
you know, a two year experience in a van, that's a long time. What, what was that the plan? And was it just you or was it anyone else with you? What, tell tell us about that. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell your audience to a uh, long-term future plan. I'm chipping away chapter by chapter at writing a novel of this experience. So there's the first handful of rough draft chapters live on my website right now, if you're interested, but the the goal of the van experience was I'd finished school and I had painted houses all summer and I had saved up some money, enough money to buy this van. Honestly, Mason, what's crazy is I'd only saved up enough to buy the van and then like $10,000 cash, right? That was, that was about what I was at. So I budgeted that $10,000 for, for about my goal was 12 months. And so you do the math on that. That takes you down to like $5 a day about oh, man. <laughs> with some pretty, um, pretty tight expenses. I was going to be just me. I did, however, because I knew that there was going to be a lot of alone time, a lot of alone driving, I did buy myself a puppy as my college graduation gift. So I got a puppy named the puppy Crag. So Crag Dog and I traveled all over the country together in this van that we bought. However, um, when I proposed to my mom my budget and my plan based on the money I had saved up, she looked at me like I was a maniac because she did not feel like I was going to be able to survive on $5 a day. I looked at her and told her that just because, you know, I wanted to live off of less than her latte every day that <laughs> I, I'd be okay. I figured I was going to be able to make it. And and I did. I did. It was a lot of what, what I tell everybody when they ask kind of what I ate. It was just the, it was rep, repetitive. That's all it was. It wasn't bad. It wasn't super malnutritious. It was just really repetitive. It was oatmeal for breakfast. And then I'd throw bananas or some sort of fruit in there. And then it was peanut butter and jellies for lunch. And then it was uh, mac and cheese for dinner. And it was that every day for a year. Like a dream. It it was what I told everybody was the cost I paid was was in luxury to be able to just go rock climbing every day. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing being able to really do not much else besides chase my passion and go explore. We got to chase good weather for a year. And so it kind of broke up. It was two years. I lived in my van. The second year was in Moab, Utah, and I was pretty much there exclusively. And I was working in Moab because I definitely couldn't stretch 10 grand for two years. I needed to put some money into my bank account. (laughs) Um, But I did live in my van teaching at an after-school program down in Moab. And boy, were those people tolerant of a dude that lived in their van, hanging out with their kids and having them play outside every day. Yeah. They, they, they loved it. they were like, Oh, you live in your van. That's pretty cool. But, uh, but the first year, man, it was give you the quick synopsis. I drove from Colorado to Rhode Island. It was my first time over on the East coast, spent a lot of time up in the Adirondacks and like Rumney up in New Hampshire, North Conway, that was special. I love the Northeast up there. Those mountains are really, really freaking cool. And as a climber, the rock up there is awesome. Southeast was my next stop. And I was kind of chasing the weather, right? So I was up in the Northeast in like August, September. And as the weather turned bad, I went down to the Southeast, was there September, October until the weather turned bad down there. And I was in the red 
the new. I rafted the new. Have you ever rafted the new? You're kind of in that area, aren't you, Mason? Where's that? That's the new the new River Gorge in West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. No, I've never rafted it. I, I've uh, I've definitely biked near it and driven over it once, but never never rafted. Sounds incredible. It it was that was that was a fun experience. I should not have done that particular activity. I got rafted. <laughs> uh, well, I I guided back home in Seattle as a raft guide, and the ra- the river that I rafted was a very technical class five four so it was hard but it was very like low water hard dodging rocks and i got on this river that was a class four with a bunch of guys and i was guiding a buddy of mine who didn't have very much experience and they were like oh if you guided four fives you'll be fine and i wasn't it was such big water and i had no experience in about that size and we got whipped around and had a great old time got way wet what did you think you learned the most from just kind of that entire experience that that you want to carry with you for the rest of your life? I think takeaway from the whole van experience is that everybody, everybody you meet has an incredible story. If you're willing to sit and listen, and if you have the time to sit and listen Every, everybody has something really cool to share with you. Not only that, everybody also wants to hear your story. I can't tell you how many times somebody somebody bought me a burger or bought me some french fries because I was sitting writing blogs on my laptop drinking a cup of coffee in a coffee shop somewhere. And they asked me what I was doing and I told them my story and they would buy me a cup of coffee or whatever, because they loved hearing about it. And that organic exchange of storytelling, I think is something that I really, I I, want to continue doing for the rest of my life. And at at the core, I think rerouted embraces a lot of that as well. Storytelling here, hearing people's story, telling your own, dude, it's just that, that is what it's all about. And that is probably the best part of those kind of dirtbag experiences is just the stories you walk away with and, and the, the people you know. You might not ever see them again, but you you just have this connection with them. And and, and I would say myself, that's probably the biggest, I don't yep. know, thing I look back on with the most fondness. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I think I, I've always been good, <laughs> sounds a little arrogant, but I feel like something I've always been really comfortable with is the fact that people really like to, to share these stories, to go both ways, right? And a lot of people I feel like are scared to talk about themselves and scared to talk about the things that they're doing and that they're proud of. Don't be. People love it. People love to, to hear what makes you excited. So don't be afraid to talk about it. Just be sure that you're willing to listen on the other side too. The best conversations are, are the most balanced ones, you know? Yeah. You, you realized for you with this van trip that living a inexpensive lifestyle and, and, and living, you know, pretty below your means in a lot of ways. I remember you said you're trying to, you're telling your mom stretching $5,000 a year. Um, and she just looks at you like you're crazy. I remember telling my mom one time, my goal was to, to hit the, the minimum that the government would care that I ever made, which was like $9,000 a year or something where you don't have to pay taxes. And I was like, that my right. goal in life was to never 
make more money than than that, which is like bare, bare, bare minimum. And that yeah. that was the goal. It wasn't to make the most money. It was to <laughs> right. literally make so little the government doesn't care. And I remember telling her, and she's like, oh, okay, that's a good goal. And I, now I look that's- back and think. Man, what it is, <laughs> but uh, you know, you're you're figuring out your, you know, if you if I decided to pursue that, you know, no, great, but sure. it's like yeah. now it's like okay, yeah, maybe maybe there's a better way for me, but uh, it was funny, man, it was so funny that you that you say that. Totally, I mean, she, th- these are the same parents, and my my folks are great. They've been nothing but supportive. But when I told them that I wanted to paint houses all summer so I could live in a van for a year, they were like whatever man like <laughs> if 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 that's what you want to do we're we're in support of it you know you you went to college right and i'm like i, I know i still want to go live in a van though because you know what's wild dude is it's 2020 right now and the van thing is super popping and everybody knows about van life when i did it back in 2014 it was not really a thing right there was no van life hashtag nobody was Nobody was, you know, getting paid a bunch of money to go travel around the country in their van or tiny home or whatever. That was like very much a future thought. And so when I did it, all my friends were like, you're going to do what? We're going to get jobs. And now it's much more commonplace. And I'm not saying I set that trend because I certainly didn't. There have been people living in vans for years, but definitely it feels like there was there's been a huge uh, philosophical shift towards that lifestyle since I did it six years ago. It's pretty cool now that you're in this world that you're offering that same, you're offering those same kind of deals and those same kind of experiences for people by allowing them to more easily acquire their adventures. I'm sure it's your way of giving back now to the things that made it possible for you. That that's absolutely right, Mason. And I always, uh, my dad a long time ago instilled in me this idea that this the gear the gear isn't what's going to make you great. You just got to go out and do the best with what you have, which has always been nice for me because I've never looked for the newest model. I've never cared about the highest tech. I just go out and do the stuff. Right, as long as I'm safe and things are functioning for me, I'm a happy camper. And for me, I I was always lucky because I had the edge of knowledge when I was buying used gear. I knew what I was looking for. I knew what made things safe. I knew what I what I wanted. And I could spend the time to go look for it. What I'm finding now that I'm you mentioned you don't get to get outside enough. I don't get outside enough either. And it's because we're working men and we got bills to pay and there's stuff going on. What I'd love is if I could still buy used gear without it taking me an hour and a half of searching on Craigslist. I wish I, I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing. You get notified when things go live that fit you. You can make other people's size profiles. So your whole family, you can get notified about that. We just want to make the whole used gear exchange go smoother. So that affordable, sustainable gear can be accessible to everyone at any point in time. That's the end game. Do you have any story or, or, you know, email or something from, from someone who bought some gear from you for using it for something cool? Yeah. Well, one of the most exciting things about what we're doing, Mason, is the the used gear store experience. You're going to get a lot of like very 
average middle of the line things because that's what's easy for those used gear stores to turn over. What's wild about what we can do is we can take the most outrageous, weird things and get them listed and sold on our website. We had this backpack that was like a 65 liter backpack, but 30 liters of the bag were on the back and the other 30 liters were like on the waist and on the front straps. So does that make sense how I'm explaining it audio-wise? Like I'm just trying to – I'm trying to give the audience the picture who can't see this. Maybe I'll get a photo of this thing and put it in the show notes. But it's this like super weird bag, right? From Australia, some – I don't remember the brand name off the top of my head. But it's this wild backpack. Somebody submitted it to me. I was like, oh, sure, we'll we'll buy that. It looks interesting. Somebody will buy it. Sure enough, we listed it not a week later. And somebody sent us a note and was like, bought the backpack, got the backpack in three days. Love that I was looking for this specific bag to go on a trip because it was something he wanted like a really specific center of balance for. And it was this longer kind of scrambly trip and he just knew that that was a bag he wanted, couldn't find it used anywhere else, found it on our website and was just way psyched about being able to find that unique piece of gear way easier than if he'd been searching for it on Craigslist all over the country. That is so crazy. That That is yeah. really cool. So, you know, they, you know, you're, you're talking to someone who spends their Saturday going to <laughs> yard sales, going oh, yeah. to going to flea markets like I love it. I absolutely, yep. I, for my birthday, usually every year I go to yard sales. As my <laughs> that's awesome. And I love- we'll try to like hit a record number or something. And, and that's where I've gotten a ton of my gear from kayaks to yep. paddle boards down here to, yep. um, shoot. My camp stove came from yard sale. Shoot. So many things come from those kinds of things because it, it's quality stuff and people just, you know, for whatever reason, don't need it anymore. And it's yep. almost sounds like what you're doing is that kind of level of, uh, it's like treasure hunting almost like you never know what's going to be on rerouted, you know? I, I think that that's really accurate. And I think that what's amazing is we're going to blend the idea of just infinite selection with this idea of really instant gratification. So you, Mason, say, you know, that you love, like I, there's a pair of climbing shoes. They're, they're sportivas. They're called TC pros. Right. And, and TC pros are like my favorite kind of climbing shoes. So we want to make it so that you can go in, say, I love my TC pro size 10. And every time a used TC pro size 10 shows up on our website, you'll get a notification and you can buy them so that you can always find exactly what you're looking for without spending that time. That that's very cool. Was that, how, how did you build that feature? <laughs> We're building Let's say we're building yeah. that feature, right? That's, that's cool. That, that, right that now, sounds great because right? it can be it can be overwhelming when it's just yeah. one of all kinds of different things versus totally. like, you know, you know, being able to sort it and, and have enough to where people could look for something very specific is would definitely be cool. Totally. And so right now on our website, you can do it by shoe size, pant size, shirt size, male, female. What we're working on building out, though, is the brand and then the sports. That's the next step. And that should be done by the end of this this year, really. We're hoping that comes out soon. And the idea is that right now, and, and we could go into this again, and I know we're kind of wrapping it up here, but 
The idea is, Mason, with used gear, the reason it's hard to find is because right now it's really hard to list. So any person, any business that's listing used gear, they're having to manually do all the uploading and all the research and all the information. So it's just not getting there. What we're doing is we're simplifying that upload process so it's easier to find on the front end so that the whole exchange happens a lot more seamlessly. So it really feels like you're shopping with a new retail experience that when you hit buy, it's going to be on your doorstep in three days. There's no negotiation. There's no kind of person to person exchange. We're just automating the whole thing. So everybody wins. I'm, I'm excited for you. I love seeing things that are uh, you know, keeping keeping equipment out of the landfill, keeping it out yeah. of attics, uh, you know, keeping stuff relevant and used and the stories that come with it. Or, heck, that's going to be worth it to me. And and the deal yeah. you get is even, it's like a cherry on top. Right. What you're saying is right. We built this business rerouted so that everybody could win. That was the whole goal that everybody walks away feeling really satisfied with the deal. Win, win, win. That's awesome. What Can you tell me this? Is, is there any piece of gear or something? It could be multiple, too, that, that, <laughs> that you really, I don't know, have a connection to or something that's really special to you. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Like I said, I've kept most of my stuff. I think that I have a friend that makes necklaces out of old pieces of climbing gear. And... She hasn't made it yet. I still use it because it's still functional and I wouldn't give it away yet. There, There's a piece of climbing gear that I took my very first fall on. And I remember this fall very distinctly. So I'm a traditional rock climber, meaning I place my own pieces of gear as I climb. This is the first fall that I ever took on a piece of gear that I placed. And it was outside of where I went to school in Colorado. And I remember the crack. I remember my partner. I remember the whole experience. And I remember falling, looking up, seeing this piece of gear wedged in the crack. And it's a gold nut. And this gold nut just shining in the sunlight. And I said, oh, this gear works. I'm safe. And that was kind of history on my climbing career. And I never thought about it ever again. So that's the first one that jumps to mind. Wow. So you still use that that gold oh, yeah. nut? Very, very safe. It's it's my number nine BD gold nut and it's still safe functioning. I place it on most climbs that I go on. When it's ready to retire, I'll have my friend go make it into a necklace and wear the necklace. I also, there's a necklace that I wear right now that's a, my sister went to South Africa and she went rafting in the Zambezi River and she got the, the water god charm down there. And she said, this charm is supposed to protect you and in water trap and she got it for me back when I was 18 years old and twice now I've lost this charm both times in bad water situations one when I was trying to teach myself how to surf and one when I was cliff jumping and both times I lost the necklace I said to myself that that was kind of the the sacrifice to the water for my injury and my safety and I always replace it and I'll never take that one off either so that's another sentimental one wow that's a really, those are really cool stories. How can folks find out more about Rerouted and just keep up with what y'all are doing? And, and, and is there anything, you know, news-wise you want to share with folks about it? Yeah. So the the big things I would say is go find us on the on our website, www.rerouted.co, not .com, .co. 
and then rerouted as R-E-R-O-U-T-E-D, just as it sounds. And then on our website, we've got all sorts of information. We've got a podcast. Mason actually came on our virtual happy hour that we do every week. All of that information is up there live on our website. You can also find us on Facebook at rerouted.co. That's our Instagram handle as well, at rerouted.co. Twitter, we're at get rerouted. And then my personal Twitter is at trap chats, at trap underscore chats, if you guys are interested in that. But otherwise, we're we're all over the web. We're all over Facebook, social media. De- definitely check us out there. Come check out our podcast. We're going to get Mason to come on our podcast, right? You're going to come over there and do repot it with us. Oh, heck yeah, man. Anything. Sweet. Anything that chap needs, man. I'll, I'll, I'll that, do it. That's that's awesome. Well, we'll we'll get all of that stuff. Make sure it's in the show notes. But Mason, you're awesome. This has been so much fun. I know this has run over your, your typical time here. We don't talk about gear that much, so we'll be willing to uh we'll be willing to to give it a little extra time. But no, chat man, I appreciate it. I love what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Um you know, if you, however, we could help you at Athletic uh, through Adventure Sports Podcast. Obviously, we'll be sharing this and, and plugging it and getting folks out there, getting some gear. And, and I'll, I'm going to be watching Woo. the store because you know I always need a few little things. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so thank you. No, th- thank you, Mason. Really appreciate it, man. Ha- everybody, thanks for listening. First of all. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.